everything I could about the art form uh, from you know that time that was the height of the Māori show bands in, of in course, Australia. Of course, Māori Volcanics. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know they, they had all the main yeah. had all the main clubs and I remember going up in King's Cross and seeing their first Māori show band. Yeah, I've even forgotten their name but when they came on I thought well this is another world. These guys were just pumping in another world. But you were looking at your own fa your Māori faces looking back at you in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, well. Uh, and so that was a huge learning curve. We ended up putting a group together too, and so we did the circuit there for years. Uh, and then in between that time, I then trained in uh, theatre, uh, staging, lighting, sound. Put myself through. Uh, you were doing this by yourself. You went to Aussie by yourself. I went there by myself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just, but I ended up marrying over there. Yep. Uh, but I, um, then I went and worked for a guy called Reg Grundy. Um, whilst I was still doing the clubs and everything, and and uh, there was a position that opened up there, and uh, I think I started off as his, uh, his chauffeur, but uh, then they. They asked if I'd go into production. And the life of Tamahuata could probably be summed up as one big production. A life on stage, behind the stage, and encouraging many Māori to get up on that stage. Performing arts from show bands, opera, stage production, theatre, dance and song is what Tama Turangahuata leaves behind as his legacy. Tama passed away in February of this year. 2015. He was 64 years old. A man before his time, that, that's just in terms of the arts and or visionary, but also, you know, he was our dad. He was um, our mum's partner, lifelong partner. A kuro. These those things that we we know about our father that um, the industry doesn't quite know, but he definitely steered us in, in the direction of the arts, um, and it was embedded in our life, in our upbringing. A very strong, prestigious man, very passionate, um, and always for the people. He always wanted to develop more for our rangatahi so our, the future of the arts and our people would continue to grow. In this final part of Manu Tiori, a series here on Tiahika about Māori musicians who have given back to their community through performing arts, we take a look at the work and life of Tamahuata and why the mantra, the show must go on, is important to his two daughters, Alison and Narelle Huata. 
Today, the sisters hold key positions within Kahurangi Māori Dance Theatre and Te Wānanga Whare Tāpere o Takitimu, the Takitimu Performing Arts School in Hastings. We'll feature archival recordings of Tamahuata, the recognition he received from his peers, his foray into Māori entertainment, and we'll hear from his daughters who also narrate his story alongside their own. This is Te Ahika. I'm Justine Murray. There are many things that Tamahuata did over his lifetime. He grew up as one of nine children to Canon Witetau Huata and Ringahora Heni Nakai. Te taha o, o toku papa no te, no te wairua, ho pūpū ho nengi-nengi matangirau, ngai tamaterangi me ngāti pāhauka. Te taha toku mama no ngāti kāhungunu ki heretaunga, ngāti hāwea, ngāti hori. Ngāti Hinemo, no, no te Waipatu, uh, ara ko kahurana ki te maunga. Uh, ke te wairua ko whakapuna ki te maunga. We grew up in it. I grew up in it with, with, my, um, with my dad and all his uh, church work. He, he developed, um, you, you know, this whole process of using the art form for his karakia uh, and in his mission work and we grew up with it. We grew up around uh, marae, we grew up uh, immersed in uh, waiataringa, all forms of uh, performing arts. you he was dead what did he both instill within the whanau like did you both get music lessons at a young age did you both go through kahurangi what were what were your childhoods like having a father like tamahuata <laughs> so but alison um had the music lesson <laughs> oh actually um started off with the ballet lesson <laughs> Um, and the music lessons, and then um, I I was put through um, ballet and tap dancing, but um, Alison can talk about <laughs> her, her things, her experiences in that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think growing up, um, it was always around us. My parents actually met in Australia, and they married over there, and that's and that was us. That's how we came to be, and. Um, but he always was surrounded with kapaka. He, he was always surrounded by our own people, even in Australia, and he always... So we, always, we were always around music. Um, him always playing the guitar, not only that, we would follow him to his um, shows when he was working that industry in Sydney. Heritage Band. The Heritage Band, and, um, you know, that, that was the year of the Māori show band and so forth, and being dragged along with our mum to sit there and watch them and go to their rehearsals. It was so it was instilled in us at quite an early age. We had you know, a lot of entertainers. 
uh, certainly a lot of bands, a lot of singing groups. Uh, they were everywhere, you know. You couldn't get into the nightclubs from about uh, oh, Wednesday to Sunday. They, they were just packed. You know, at one stage when, when we started doing the circuit there, uh, you know, we were doing about 14 shows a week. Gee, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. That's, that's like two a night. That's right. Yeah. Matinee two shows a night, seven, yeah, seven days, seven nights rather. So that's how prolific it was, you know. And, and that's how the, the Māori uh, groups actually monopolised uh, that whole scene. They were the ones being toured to uh, Great Britain and um, the East and the States and everywhere. And Sydney was a springboard. So was it the height of the volc? as we mentioned a little bit, the volcanics? Yep. Uh, uh, well, the, the, that's when Tui Tika and them were all in the volcanics. Yeah. And, and the two top groups at that time was the uh, volcanics and the Quintikis. But we didn't quite pick up on his, <laughs> his musical talents. That would be our brother. Um, but for us, we were, my sister's more of the entertainer side of things and myself, I'm more the behind the scenes and preparing everything and those were all the things that were installed in us from an early <laughs> age. Um, but yes, we had our piano and we had our guitar lessons and, we, you know, all those kinds of things because it, it was part of our life. Um, and then eventually we both ended up in Kahurangi. When did the idea of Kahurangi Māori Dance Theatre come about? Well, first of all, it was a school. Yep. We needed to have a training school. And when I came home here, people were, were trying to get various things off with hacker and music and, and so on. But we'd had a plan, you know. I came home with a plan. And, and we'd developed it over there through, through our, uh, our little collective in Australia. We developed what we needed to do, school, all the various components, training components, what was required to get our people into the industry. And so um, I went, you know, the labour departments and all that were controlling all these schemes, and I put up one, you know, they, they weren't really for that at all. You Was know. that the era of trade training schemes? Trade training, PEP, all those types of programs on the marae and yes. everything. And, and no well, one wanted to look at uh, the arts. Away at the, the no. arts. Yeah, no, no, no way. You know, because they didn't see value in it, or they didn't. Nobody had done it. Nobody had done it. So here I am, new kid on the block, <laughs> introduce all this sort of stuff in. Anyway, after a long time of going backwards and forwards to the Labour Department, they gave me a start with the lowest paid scheme that was going and in the shortest amount of time and all, all that sort of thing. And I started uh, with uh, ten, 10 really young people. And then the rule was we had to find some employment for them. Mm. And that's when I formed Kahurangi. I said, OK, here's a school, I need to separate it, and I formed this group called Kahurangi. And uh, 
we then went out and started to do shows. We didn't. We got nothing on a plate. And you mean putia? You mean money? Anything. Putia, getting uh, getting bookings or anything like that. And nothing was given on a plate. You know, we had to really work our way through all that. Um, but that was, you know, when I look back, I said, oh, that's part of the part of the journey, you know. So, but we just, you know, I decided with my dad, I said, look, our people are not turned on by the traditional waiata. They were saying, oh, a bit boring, you know. You mean like a slow chant of a, of a Or any more tete that was going, you know. Uh, so we had to develop the elements to bring that in. So I started with the music of the day. I brought in musicians, and you know, to basically get our people moving, moving to the beat. We started performing with Kaurangi um, in 1989. Um, together, Alison and I started performing with Kaurangi, and our first big performance that we um, went to the stage. Um, with Kahurangi was up at the 1990 Waitangi celebrations and so that was our big first debut I guess mm-hmm. on stage with Kahurangi and um, so since that time we've been um, just going through the different areas with, with the dance company and learning the different ways and the different roles and responsibilities. Um, so. The first actual um, job we had, we were both cleaners <laughs> for the company. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, so that was your first role with Kahurangi as cleaners? Cleaners. Yeah, cleaners. We, we cleaners. Slash performers. Slash performers. <laughs> and um, I think the cleaning was first and then performers after that. But, but um, Alison's um, experience of cleaning was a bit different to mine. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with cleaning as a job. No, no. no. Um, it, what it does, it teaches the values of, of you know, manaki. And so we didn't have a problem with doing that mahi, but my nan didn't like me being the cleaner, and so she rang up my dad and told him off. <laughs> and, and so I wasn't allowed to clean anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, that was where we started cleaning and then performing, and yep. then just came through... Um, all the different um, areas and the different ranks. So we do know um, all the different elements and the roles and responsibilities of um, a dance company because we've had to go through it ourselves to get to where we are today. So it was never an expectation for us to walk in the door and just be the boss. I never had that um, within us to think that way, so that expectation. So you never got a free ride from your dad? No, not at all. In fact, because of who we were, it didn't come free. Mm. We had to work hard, and he was probably harder on us because of the level of expectation he had with us within the company. Uh, once we made that decision to be in the company, it wasn't um, a free ride. We had to earn our, our way through the different levels. Mm. Kahurangi Māori Dance Theatre was formed in 1983. 
Although traditional in its song compositions, action songs, poi and haka, the group would infuse highly choreographed work and costumes to take on a more contemporary form. Kahurangi would be based in Hastings, but due to the foresight of Tama, he saw the opportunity to take Kahurangi to the world. And after years of working as a hairdresser, his daughter Alison would be roped back in to the family business. I was asked to run our company in Canada. So I, was, I took on the challenge and the question was, will you go to Canada and run our business? I said, oh, for how long? <laughs> and he said, oh, a year? I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And then he goes, two years? Oh, yeah, yeah, two years is fine. Five years? Oh, you're pushing it. But um, I ended up being over there for 10 years and I learned everything about the industry here as well as over there with our New York agents. Um, and working and performing alongside Kahurangi and learning everything about the industry in and out. Um, and then I came home, started my family, continued to work with Kahurangi and then then I took my family on tour with me. We moved to Malaysia um, and worked the industry over there. Um, but in between all of that, we were, Narao was like part of the first uh, lot of students who gained her degree in multi performing arts. We both got our degree in uh, multi performing arts. Mine just came a little bit later when I had returned home. And, um, but today, we're still part of the industry and for myself I've been a part of this life um, for almost 20 plus years. Hmm. So Dad never um, forced us to be in anything or learn anything, there was never um, that kind of um, a person, he just steered us into the different directions mm -hmm. So um, and asked us if we wanted to do um, specific things. So he never um, forced it upon us. It was always our decision in the end to do what we wanted to do. Um, although he did encourage us, but at the end of the day, it was never forced upon us to do these things. Since the early establishment of the Takitimu Performing Arts School and then Kahurangi, Tamahuata's involvement in the arts, whether it be in his hometown of Ngāti Kahungunu or within Aotearoa, would steadily rise. He would successfully launch Kahurangi into overseas markets, including Canada, the United States and Asia. In the early 1990s, he was awarded a Fulbright scholarship to study in Milwaukee. In 2006, the late Tamahuata was made an officer of the New Zealand Order of Merit for his contribution to Māori arts. Giving back to the youth and providing a platform to celebrate Māori music in all its traditional and contemporary forms is recognised at the Waiata Māori Music Awards. Notable artists Macy Rika, Ria Hall, Awanui Reader and traditional composers and practitioners Dr Richard Nuns and Mitsumohi have been recognised and celebrated for their contribution to Māori arts at previous award shows. The Hastings event launched in 2007. The show was the brainchild of Tamahuata. Hello, hello, baby. Hello, baby. Hello, 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 hello, baby. Hello
uh, we have we have two sections to our awards. Uh, one are the nominated awards, and the other ones where they actually uh, become a. Uh, and you they put the albums into the ring, if you like, you know, and yeah. then they they vie for um, recognition through that process. The um, iconic awards uh, are normally nominated in by by people, community people, lots of different people. You know, they put put the names up, and it's like the iconic people. There's Hekura Te Tangata. And, and all those Pakeke groups, um, they keep all those songs alive. And so, you know, they have a major say, really, at the end of the day, who will be one of those people recognised. Mm. Uh, music industry is nominated in. Uh, Keepers of Tradition and the uh, Lifetime Contribution. Really, it's, it's quite simple. Those process because they actually they naturally pop out those people who've done that sort of sort of model and there's a lot of them. Because of all the different kaupapa that our dad was part of, we've never as a whānau had that time to mourn. Um, we're three days out, we, um, well even during the time of the tangi, you know, we st people still need to be paid, um, their wages and salaries, things like that, so we, during the tangi we're still thinking about those things, making sure that um, our, our employees are being paid, um, and then the week later we're doing the same thing, so it was business as usual for, for the companies in that, in that retrospect, um, but for the whānau we had to go into um, pretty much survival mode, making sure that everything continued. Um, like Alison uh, had to go over and manage the company in, in Canada, um, so we, as, as a whānau we really haven't had time just to be still and um, to pick up all these different kaupapa and keep it moving because that's we know from our father that that's how he would have wanted it yeah he, he actually probably if we were to stop and just not do anything he would have got quite upset to know that um, because it's we you know we have this kaupapa the show must go on mm. and um, and and I remember when our nanny passed away, when Dad's mum passed away, we were um, up in Auckland um, doing a uh, performance at the WOMAD. WOMAD. 
Um, it just an hour before leaving our accommodation, we got the news of Nanny passing away. So we had to go through that, um, you know, quick grief, and then we had to all wipe our eyes and get on that stage. Um, oh. So that's that's how um, our family is. Is that in regards to the show must go on? We, we commit, once we commit ourselves to that co-papa, we have to make sure that. Um, that co-papa is given the integrity and the time to, to continue, but um, miss him every day, every day. Um, you know, just his uh, wittiness and his humour. Dry um, humour at that. Dry humour. <laughs> um, but in, in, in saying that, because we've taken on um, those different roles, so Alison, um, White and Music Awards, Kaurangi, um, you know, doing all these different event projects that Dad would have done, and then I've got um, the school running of the school and Kahurangi as well, but also um, the chairmanship for Matakahumanurunanga Arts and Culture Board. Um, so we've got Tamatatini hosting. Yes. So that's a huge co-papa at the moment for us, and we've got to um, just keep moving, mm -hmm. uh, otherwise you get a bit swamped. But, you know, it's it's those, it's those knowing all those things that he was part of, but not really knowing what he had to do when he was alive. And so there's a, we have a huge appreciation now of um, all those things that he was part of and initiated, because now that we're in there, well, especially well, for me, talking from my side, yeah that I'm in there and, and having to do that, that kind of work, I really appreciate what he'd done, because it's not easy. I mean, I'm just starting out, but he did it for 30 plus years, um, and it just it's not, it wasn't an easy road, and it's not an easy road to fulfill, but we're trying our best to make sure that the integrity of those kaupapa are maintained. Mm -hmm. Without our father's teachings, we wouldn't have been able to do what we're doing today. Um, and that's a, you know, it's something that, you know, when you're a parent, you always help your children to grow and you prepare them for life and you prepare them for different aspects of life. And that's something that both him and my mum have done, have prepared us for this. And like we said, we weren't forced into this. It was something we, we both came into on our own. Mm. Um, just to, just from all those teachings, it's made us who we are today, and that's why we're able to do what we are doing today. Because mm. um, otherwise, we would be running down the road if we weren't prepared for any of this. I mean, no one wants to prepare for when you lose your parents. No one. Um, but the reality came early for us before our father actually passed um, because he was quite ill beforehand so all those preparations well let's put it this way he's a he was a visionary and he always looked forward so he had already started putting his succession plan in years ago right um, so it wasn't something that just came it, things were put in place you know five even seven years ago um, so it was having those seven years before the time came of learning, working alongside him, um, 
you know, and going to Hui's with him and just watching and observing and being able to have your say, you know, and that, that was it, like you said, mentoring, and you get the hands-on training, mm. and you can't get it any better than that than walking alongside this, our father, this mm. man. You know, that's the best kind of learning you could ever get. Throughout his life, Tamahuate gave service to his iwi hapu community in whānau, so I asked his daughters, Alison and Narelle, what a few of their childhood memories are. For me, Dad, Dad taught me a few few chords on the guitar, <laughs> and um, the first song that I learned was um, Māori Battalion. And, and so when you asked us about those things, that, that brings up that memory about him teaching me the Māori Battalion. The Māori Battalion, the march. Yes. Like Italian, oh. Battalion. Yeah, okay. So that was the first song that I learned on the guitar, and um, and then so he taught me the basic chords, you know, A, D, G, F, all those things. Mm-hmm. I went away and went into my room and started practicing those chords and that that song, and then you can hear from the living room, change. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, you know, Dad yelling out that I had to change the chord for nice. the next, you know, for the song. So that was a memory um, that that we had because it was because I practiced and practiced and practiced that song so I could get it. But in in the mean, you know, during that time of practicing in the background, Dad's going yelling out, "Change!" <laughs> oh, you must have had those sharp ears, eh? <laughs> yeah, very, very and, sharp. And, and like, um, but we did have. He would test songs on us, so like um, any compositions, new compositions he was um, uh, composing, he would um, get Alison and I to uh, together at home and give us our notes and, <laughs> and and get us to sing the songs and the notes. And um, you know, if we didn't quite get the pitch, it was you're flat. <laughs> 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 and so it wasn't a, there wasn't no diplomatic way about it it was either you're flat or <laughs> and so you know and that's how how it was it was like you had to be on in tune and pitch and there was a level of um excellence in the expectation um but it wasn't um it was all good it was all good stuff with your dad can you can you just rattle off a few of your dad's favorite songs Michael Jackson Michael is number Jackson one. Is number Michael one. Jackson. Anything that Michael Jackson uh, produced, wrote, sang, whatever, Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson was the one. Gee, your dad must have been devastated when he passed away, eh? Oh, very. 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 We, we, had a, we had our tongue in. <laughs> yeah. And, but, yeah. And when dad passed away, we were, that's the first thing we said, oh, you're going to go meet Michael Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> another fun memory that you remember about your dad? We used to have um, family entertainment nights. Oh, neat. Home. And they, they weren't planned or anything, they just happened. And so, um, you know, I remember being uh, eight years old and, um, and, you know, going to ballet classes. And so, you know, dad would ask us to, and Alison was doing piano at the time, and 
dad will get us up and ask us to show him what we've done and what we've learnt and stuff like that. <laughs> and so, you know, he, we would put on this little mini <laughs> show. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> like your little tutus and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> And, and also, because I did tap dancing, I, I would, you know, show my tap dancing um, dances and that. But and and he would um, orchestrate it, you know. It was all orchestrated and okay, go and all, you know. So it was quite a um, a little mini production. Mm, and he, he would he would um, the memory I have is that he would. Um, be quite fun. fun. It was yeah. fun. Um, he wasn't the the boss, or he was dad, just having fun with his kids, you know. Uh, so those are some of the memories. Um, when we lived in Australia, um, it was very a very social time for our family um, because you know we didn't have all the the things that he's, he initiated today, and so over there. Um, all the, his friends, you know, and their children, we always got together and we would have um, barbecues, um, birthdays. And so you've got the cowans, you've got the greenings, you've got the huatafano, um, and the kings, and um, the poor, Uncle Rimdi poor. You've got all the whanau, you know, they, they're quite uh, well known within the arts industry. Um, so it's like a gathering of celebrities. In the days leading up to his death, Tamahuata fell ill and passed away at his family home near Napier on the 11th of February. His three children learned a valuable lesson from their dad. Do what you love to do, and that's what dad showed us. If you love doing what you um, do, then you don't work a day. Um, you know, work at all, it, it's a pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so... He's taught us that whatever you love to do, you follow that dream, you follow that passion. And um, that's what we instill in our ones and our kids. Follow what you love to do. The Waiata Māori Music Awards are still continuing on and we will be um, dedicating this particular Waiata Awards to our father this year, which is taking place in September. Um, such a prestigious award that he put out there for our people so they will come out of the garage and, you know, share their talent with the rest of the world because Dad always believed that our artists are just as strong and just as great as all those in, um, in the world itself. So, yeah, yeah. a great man and, um, and a great legacy that he's left for many of us. You know, we used to have these transistor radios yep. that you'd just allocate the alligator clip onto the downpipes of the... Uh, yeah. Of the school? Yeah, from the roof. In uh, the bathroom. And, or... Oh, no, outside, you know, they oh, have yeah, the downpipes from the, yes. from the gutter. Yep. Yeah, we used to put our alligator clips in there and, and then transistor radio, listen to Radio Hauraki and all those, those types of radio stations coming through and... And of course, the thing that struck me, we were doing a lot of composition and we were involved with a, with, with a lot of um, you know, composers in those days from uh, Peter Awatere to Kingi Haka and, and uh, then my dad was involved with all those 
the groups, the Howard Morrison Quartet, and, and we see a lot of artists and so on. But, you know, I remember at school listening on the transistor radio and this group called the Beatles came out, eh? Mm. Oh, they whoa, you know, that, and they just conquered the world with their music. And uh, that's when I really got a sort of bit of inkling about it. Over time, I've been building my castle of love Just for two Though you never knew you were my reason I've gone much too far For you now to say that I've got to throw my castle away over dreams I have picked out a perfect come true Though you never knew it was of you I've been Come true when I looked at you And maybe two of you 